This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. This week, I sit down with Billy Jouse. We discuss emotional barriers we commonly face. How do we identify these emotional barriers and then detox from them? For example, one of mine is fear of failure. That barrier often prevents me from taking risks. So what do I do about it? Well, that's what Billy talks about today, sharing some relatable examples from her book and personal experiences. As we begin, be sure you are following Grace Enough on your favorite listening app so you never miss a new episode when it drops. Upcoming episodes include Allie Worthington, There's No One Size Fits All Motherhood, Karen Swallow Pryor, How has your imagination formed your faith? Brandi Wilson. You need to know thriving is possible after divorce. And Amberly Niece. Untangle your faith by asking questions. So that you don't miss any of these upcoming episodes, be sure you're following on the app where you're currently listening. Billy Jouse, welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I love it. We have common friends, Jennifer Hand, Melinda Patrick, and some few, Kara Snyder. I, oh. When she posted that on Instagram, I was like, what? I need to go to Billy's house. It is a happy <laughs> place. <laughs> yes. It, you know, I, I always say God gives you these appointments yeah. that you run into people. And actually my next book, I'm jumping ahead, but third book's coming out in the spring and it's all about building community and how we do that in, you know, in loving ways. And so anyway, I always see God puts us in these God appointments where we build community with people where we know the ones that are quick kindred spirits, like, uh, they got something, you know, there's something there. But we also can discern which ones are just accidental acquaintances, which ones are the we are the drive right. Like you love on them for a hot minute and then it's it moves. That's on. right. Um so and anyway, we need both. We need both. And we have both. I think the one thing I found out so much in my life is I meet people and I'm like, I want to be their friend forever. And it's just it doesn't work out that way. Right. Either they're not interested or we live thousands of miles apart or I just met them on a plane or whatever it may be. So anyway, I feel like the three girls you just mentioned are those types of girls that have been, and I say girls, we're all women. Don't get me wrong. However, when we're chilling, when we're hanging out, when we're messing around, when we're working hard, we're girls, you know, and those three have been such great placements of God appointments in my life. God knew I needed that person or that person needed me, you know, whatever it may be. And it's that that back and forth of doing that. And all three of those girls are younger than me, but I glean as much wisdom. I was actually texting with Jen Han this morning and I was like, girl, I need you to talk me off this cliff. I am (laughs) stressing out. 
so yeah, so these young girls in my life, even though I'm in a much more mature state, I don't know if it's maturity or what, but I'm old. I'm not older. I'm just old, but it's beautiful to have those girls in my life and be able to glean from them and learn from them. I love it. Oh, I could go on about that, but I've learned to not get on too many tangents, but to enjoy them while I can. So with that said, I love to hear how people came to know Christ. Just briefly, what does your early faith walk look like? I went to church my whole life, but we went to church sort of like a country club. You know, you just go, it's like the social affair. Yeah. When I was 16, I had my driver's license, grew up in Eastern North Carolina, and I happened to hang out with a bunch of people that, you know, had youth groups and, you know, stuff they went to that was more rocking than my church was. And um, I'm sure my church talked about Jesus, but I went to church one Sunday night with some friends. It was shenanigans. We didn't go to church to find Jesus. We had sheer shenanigans going on. And I heard about Jesus in a way that I had never heard before. I was 16 years old. Um, kept going back to that church, curious. One night, I they made the altar call, and I felt like somebody pushed me from behind. Wow! And I turned around, going to punch somebody because shenanigans. <laughs> oh, I know all about the shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was nobody there. And I looked at my girlfriend that was with me, my best friend in high school, Susan, and I said, "Hey, I think I'm going to walk up." She goes, "You go for it, girl." And I walked up and gave my life to Christ, mm -hmm. and. After that, the older people in the church came up to me and they, you know, it was just where I grew up. My county is small girl. Everybody knows everybody. That's, I mean, so, yeah, same. So I knew a lot of people in that church and they came up to me and they're like, oh, we're so glad that you've given your life to Christ. It, you A whole new experience for your life now. Go out and tell people because that's what really solidifies your faith is that you state that you've given your life to Christ. And I did. I went to a woman who was a strong person in my life. And I told them that I had given my life to Christ. And she laughed at me mm. and told me, don't you realize girls like you, God doesn't love. Oh my gosh. And I went, oh, okay. You know, this is an older woman in my life. And, and I thought, oh, I can't be loved by God. So girl, the shenanigans got heavy then. <laughs> oh yeah. I went a little wow. crazy because if I can't be loved by God, why do I want to be following? And I didn't know, like, I didn't know all the things of what it meant to be a Christian and to follow Jesus, well, right? to read a Bible. So anyway, life went crazy wasn't going to get married, wasn't going to have kids, was going to join the Navy as a nurse, go to nursing school, join the Navy. And I was going to see the world and serve in the world. I always had a servant's heart and met my husband. Things changed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I married him. We had three boys. We've lived now 36 years in professional baseball, which has taken us all over the world. But about our 10th year of marriage, our marriage was falling apart. He was chasing his career. I was chasing the kids and I felt like a failure. I didn't know why my life mattered and what my purpose in life was. And I knew I had to figure me out before I could ever figure a marriage out. I never wanted to be a married woman, no less a divorced woman. So I started seeing a counselor who was an atheist. And this is in a big city in the United States. Oh my States. goodness. And she said to me, Billy, when's the one time in your life where you've felt the most peace? 
And I said, the night that I walked to the altar and gave my life to Christ at 16 years old is the only time in my life that I can tell you I've actually felt peace. And she looked at me, she jotted something down on her paper and she looked up and she said, you need to go back to church. Wow. So went back to the denomination that I had been raised in because my mother had told me, if you ever leave this church, it's like committing adultery against God. Oh, gosh. So, I went so back much messed the, up theology. <laughs> oh my gosh, so much messed up. I, you know, I say, Lord, you are mighty because there is zero reason I should be a Christian because I had a lot of Christian hurt and pain and judgment and mm-hmm. condemnation and all sorts of things through those years of my crazy living where I just wish those Christians had said to me, girl, I got you back. Here's a Bible. Let's sit down and read it together. Other than judging me and pushing me farther away from the church. So went back to church, went to this denomination that my mother had said, if I left would be like committing adultery to God. And I got very connected. As I said before, very spiritual my whole life. Like I knew who God was. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was good enough for him. So through those mm-hmm. few years with that, my marriage was coming back together. We were going to church. And one time the priest in the church that was a female priest said to me, I want to start a Bible study, but I feel like the people won't come if I'm leading it. Would you mind leading it? We'll talk through the lessons. We'll do all that. Cause I was like, I don't know the Bible. Like mm-hmm. I only know what I'm taught in church. She said to me, when we presented it, people were like, nah, 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 we're just here for the party. We're not here for the spiritual stuff Mm. in church. She said to me, Bella, you're not going to grow in your faith unless you find a Bible-based church and start attending it. And you will learn there, which you're not going to be able to learn here. So went and saw this lady that I had met at the little league field. One of the, really the first Christians that had just loved me without judging me. And said, would you do a Bible study with me? And she started in John. We did the Bible study. She started in John and said, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that he rose again? Yes. Do you believe he lives? Yes. She goes, well, what's your problem then? I go, nobody told me what to do after that. Amen. Which is so, that's so frequently the problem. So I recommitted my life to Christ because I realized I never stopped believing I just didn't know how to go mm-hmm. from believing into living mm-hmm. and a group of women cir- encircled me and just poured into me and loved on me and didn't judge me and didn't criticize me when I made a mistake or I didn't know. Wow. And I think that is the main reason that I write and speak and do a podcast is because I never want somebody to say to me, Billy, you never told me how to live for Jesus. You told me how to accept him, but you never told me how to live with him in my life every day, right? How to glorify him, how to honor him. So slow and steady discipleship that takes a lifetime, right? Amen. It is. And not takes a lifetime. Like, Oh, I'm never going to arrive. Not that like, it's just one day at a time learning a little bit more, changing a little bit more, meeting more people that are representative of the body of Christ. I mean, it's just a slow and steady discipleship. It is. And trying to be, trying to learn each day so that we can be more Christ-like every day so that we can glorify him and all that we say, all that we do, all that we are Mm -hmm. pouring that out to others. And I think that's what's given me a true heart for caring deeply for other human beings. Yeah. And wanting to help them see how God can work in and through them 
yeah. each and every day of their life. Yeah. Ah, oh, I love that story. And I mean, that kind of takes us into what we're going to talk about because you did end up writing a book called Distraction Detox. And I think it's easy for people to hear that and think external distraction. But what yeah. you ended up discovering as you pared down your schedule and made some changes because you were just feeling this kind of inner turmoil was that it was really a lot of emotional barriers. And yeah. so talk us through that a little bit. Uh, what, you know, how those are distractions. When my baby boy, who's now much older, but when my baby boy was leaving the house for college, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't know who I am without being a mom. In that time, my husband had said to me, I want, I don't want you now that Will's leaving the house to start volunteering for everything because I'm a, I'm a doer like yeah. girl. He, and I said, what do you mean to my husband? He's like, you have the right hand syndrome. Every time somebody says, can you do it? I'll do it. I'll do it. Raising your right hand. I'll do it. I'll do it. So I really worked on, you know, what is it that the Lord wants me to do for him? How am I going to do this? And that's when I wrote the first book, Making Room, which was about doing less so God could do more, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I pared down my schedule. I, I really prioritized things like, what is it that God wants me to do? And where does he want me to do it? And then I found, once I wrote that book and I had pared down my schedule, I found that there were a lot of things that I wasn't embracing and I didn't know why. Like, why was it when I felt the Lord saying, you need to write a blog about this because somebody's really hurting on that subject. I'd go, eh, I don't mm -hmm. know, Lord, am I the one to write it? And, and, and are my words worthy enough? Or, you know, mm. like, who am I to do this? Or you can't use me, Lord. You know, that that is sort of really oh, yeah. at the back of my mind. I felt like I had come to a place of just a spiritual stagnation. Like yeah. I was so spiritually stagnant. And I'm a doer, like I said, so I need to figure things out. I'm a processor. And so I sat down one day and I'm like, all right, this is all coming from things that I'm thinking about myself, thinking about what I can do and can't do. Why am I thinking this way? So I started making a list. I gave myself, I'm very good at giving myself goals. And <laughs> I gave myself seven days and I'm like, I'm going to write down everything I'm thinking about. When something comes up, I'm going to write down what I'm thinking about. After those seven days, and I didn't read the list while I was making it, I just kept going. Seven days later, I opened that notebook and I started reading and mm -hmm. I got teary eyed because I never realized I was my biggest bully. There are few people on this earth. You know, that woman did say something to me pretty bad, but still it wasn't as bad as some of the things I say to myself. I can really. Can't we all? Mm -hmm. And when I realized I was my biggest bully, I was like, this is not who's God, who God's created me to be. This is not who God desires me to be. And I started working on a process of what do I do? How do I get rid of these negative thoughts? Well, my belief is you're never really going to get rid of mm -hmm. every negative thought. You're not. I right. wish I could say that my book, Distraction Detox, is going to cure you from all the negative thinking. Because what happens? Somebody says something, you see something, you fall into comparison, you doubt yourself, you fear something, whatever it may be, it comes up. So what I did was I started going through a process of taking those thoughts one at a time and figuring out why is it that I think that? Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. 
why is it my meatloaf, that comfort I go to all the time? Why? How does it make me feel when I think that? Does it get me stuck or does it propel me forward? Does it beat me up or does it build me up? Is it life giving or is it life taking? And then I moved into how can I get rid of these negative thoughts? How can I stop them yeah. from spiraling down? They yes. don't spiral up those thoughts. I call they it the runaway down, train. Mm-hmm, <laughs> to a place that God never intends us to be. Mm-hmm. And how could I rid myself of them? So in that process, once I got, when I was going through this, I knew there was something to this because of what I was seeing happen in my life. And it was 2020. <laughs> 2020 hit us all a bit hard. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of time to sit around and think. Mm-hmm. And that's when at the beginning of, I was in Arizona when, ba- when I say when the world shut down, I was in Arizona when baseball shut down. That is our <laughs> world, girl. Right. Let me tell you, everything about us, my kids, everybody. And so I was like, I've got time. I'm going to dig into this. And I started mm-hmm. digging into it. And I was really like, rocking it. You know, when you're feeling like, okay, God, I've got this. I, this is good. Yeah. I can handle this. And, and then, then in, July, yeah. <laughs> in July of 2020, my phone rang at 2.36 AM. And it was one of my sisters telling me that another sister and her husband, um, their house caught on fire. And my 29 year old nephew got out, but my sister and brother-in-law didn't. Oh my gosh. And I went into, I got to get home mode because I live in Florida. My family's in North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina. And I got into the mode of, I got to get home. So my thoughts really didn't start spiraling at that point. Mm -hmm. But once I landed in Raleigh and I got that rental car and I got on 64 East, my mind went crazy. No, not that I didn't cry. Not that my husband, my husband prayed for me before I got on the airplane. I mean, I was in my sister's yard by 1130 AM. I got the call at 236 AM. So this was a quick turnaround. But as I'm driving east on 64, let me tell you, the thoughts went crazy. Why them? Why me? I can't do this. We're going to crumble. Life is over. My poor nephew, like, All the things. Thank you, God, that he's okay. But what, how is he going to get through this? He's never going to be the same. Oh my gosh. And as I'm pulling off that exit, I had to pull over to the side of the road and I stopped and just banged on the steering wheel. And I'm like, I can't do this. And God said, yes, you can one step at a time. And he brought back to me some scripture that I had been using to put in place of negative thoughts when they came up. And they just poured into me. And let me tell you, I am not one that is like, oh, I can memorize scripture. I'm so wonderful. I have a hard time memorizing (laughs) her word. But because I had been with sticky notes and notebooks of scripture to replace those negative thoughts, as soon as they came up, the Lord reminded me of them. They may not have been the exact words. He may have said the exact words. I could not remember the exact words, but I knew that the Lord was with me and that those words would help me. And I will tell you in that moment of walking on to my sister's property with her, her old barn that they renovated looking like a campfire um, and my sister and brother-in-law gone that I knew that God was with me and what I was going to do in those very 
crazy times was to point people to Jesus. And that's what I did. When a thought came up, I'd replace it with a scripture immediately. I didn't allow it to go into the what ifs, what now, how, why. When I saw my mother, who was 84 at the time, I think, Mm. and she's like, why? Why couldn't I go first? Why did this have to happen? I was able to point her back to Jesus and not that it helped everybody get over the, the, the fear and the grief, but it helped us through it. It kept our heads on straight. It allowed us to do what we had to do. And I can say to this day, only because of Jesus is my nephew Hmm. saying, because he got out, his parents didn't, Um, he tried everything he could to get him out and it didn't work. Oh, and because of scripture, because of the Lord, because of his relationship with Jesus is the only reason that he's still saying now his brother who wasn't there is still pointed back to Jesus on, we don't know why, but we know God had his hand in carrying them home and opening the pearly gates and saying, welcome home, you know? And so it was in that, that this book came about. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. I think I hear, I mean, I hear so many things there. One being the idea that the goal is not really to stop all negative thoughts. Mm. The goal really is to identify them and not let the enemy or your own flesh, let them turn into the the runaway train or the spiraling downward, right? Absolutely. So that's one thing that I hear, but also like, it's normal to ask a lot of those questions. It's healthy to grieve and lament Mm -hmm. and our body and our brains, when we experience trauma, respond in those ideas of fight flight, fawn, freeze. And with the word of God, you can fight instead of flying away or instead of letting trauma be what is what makes your brain function. Right. And you, you said that about your nephew, like he has experienced one of the worst traumas anybody will ever experience in their lives. Absolutely. But he was able to fight it and is continuing, I'm sure, to fight it with yes. truth. And that really does make all the difference. It does. You know, when I went into this detox, when I wrote the book, I really sort of categorized it in, in five steps. And I hate to say that, but it is a process. 
and it uses the detox. The D is determine the toxin. What are the emotional toxins? The E is to evaluate the toxins because we just don't go from thinking the thought to replacing it with something. We got to figure out why. Yeah. And this is where I tell people, if it's too deep for you, find a counselor hey, yes. that can help you work through that. I've been seeing a counselor since my sister's death. I've seen them in the past. You know, sometimes I feel like, okay, I don't need to see a counselor right now, but I have since my sister's passing a lot to work through. Yes. So we have to reach out to people when we can't do it. But if you can go through them, like there's some right after the book came out, I did a podcast and this guy said to me, so what's a, a negative thought that you're having right now? And I said, I'm a bad mom. That was a shock to me that I said that because right. my three sons are adults. They are all doing really well. They call, this is, I hate to say this because women always are like, my kids don't do that. My boys call me almost every day oh. to say, hey, to vent, to lament, to be angry about something because they yeah. know they can, I'm a safe place to come to or to be happy about something. So I don't know why in that moment I said I was a bad mom and he goes, really, you're a bad mom. I'm like, yeah, don't we all think we're bad parents at times because of negative thoughts we have from the past of something we did or didn't do. When I got off that call and I answered it pretty well, I feel like, but I knew when I got off that call that I needed to dig into that. So I sat down with a pen and a piece of paper and I started writing down bad mom. Why am I bad mom? And I listed I don't even remember 20 things that I had done in the past that made me a bad mom. And one of those things that came up was this time that my kid was 13. He came to me talking about what some friends were doing inappropriately. And I reacted in fear. And I started yelling at him and calling his friends bad friends. And, and the, the devil was taking over this situation. <laughs> There's evil in this. You know, girl, I just pulled out all the... Oh, great, great stuff that I could. And in evaluating what I had said to him, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I'm such a horrible mom. But as I continue to evaluate it, well, what happened after I screamed at him? He started crying. I started crying. We sat on the floor. I asked for forgiveness. He yeah. asked for forgiveness. We started over. It wasn't left in a negative place, but I kept going back to that negative place, apparently, even in my subconscious. Yes. So in going through this, I called him and I'm like, dude, listen, this is the way I talk to my kids. Dude. Right? I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's like, dude, listen, I had this really weird interaction with a podcast host and it came up that I thought I was a bad mom. And the reason is because I screamed you in a corner when you told he probably me, doesn't even remember. it. He did not. Remember. I know. <laughs> yeah. He did not remember it. And I said, well, do you remember anything about it? He goes, maybe mom, but I don't really remember it. He goes, did we like forgive each other? I'm like, yeah, I think we did. He goes, well then fine. I forgot about it. Yes. You know? So it was something I was holding on to that God never intended me to hold on to. Well, and Billy, what I would say to that is there's probably a reason why you thought that that goes even further back than that moment. Because as someone who is still in counseling and who recently has started doing EMDR, which yeah. is, yeah. Jen does that. Yeah. <laughs> and our friend Jen is a counselor. She does that. Yes. So that's how I know about it. Not on right. me. Yeah. Right. Well, 
I had never, I had just done mainly talk therapy and finally through a few people that I met through podcasting, finally said, okay, this is the next step. And what I have come to see is that some of those beliefs or negative thoughts that I have are really connected back to childhood. I, don't, I hate to overuse the word trauma, but little T no, traumas. Some experiences, experiences. Yes. And the thing about the trauma part of it is something that someone says to one person may create a reaction totally different. That's right. So someone may say to you, well, God can't love girls like you. And you'd be like, you're funny and move on. Yes. I took it deeply in my spirit. And yeah, there are some things that go back even further than that, because I never wanted to be a bad parent. I never wanted to be like her or like him or like them or like that. Mm -hmm. Why did I never want to get married? My mom was married four times. My dad was married three. I have two brothers that have been married four times each. So as you evaluate these things, it's like I'm carrying identities that I never should carry. That's right. Because that's not me. My husband and I are celebrating 35 years of marriage this year. That's hey, impressive. Yay. And we don't always like each other. We love each other all the time, yes. but there's sometimes that I don't like him very much. Which you know? is so normal. <laughs> so normal. But we work through it. We are val we find so much value in our marriage that we don't let the times of struggle overwhelm us because we have Jesus at the center. And so when we get into a rocky time, we go back to Jesus. That's what I did in this book. When yeah. you get into rocky times of negative thinking or these, I call them emotional toxins because girl, they are poison. They are, they, they are. are poison. And they're, and they have really, really deep roots in your brain yes. and in your thought processes. So you can't get rid of them just easily. No. In it takes spirit, work. That's it. And you've got to continue to remind yourself. So when I get to that T of terminating the toxins, mm. that's when we start seeing, we start digging into scripture. What does God say about this? And I had gone through this process myself. And when I was writing the book, I'm like, I wonder if I'm the only person that feels this way. So I went on Facebook and Instagram and I'm like, all right, girls, give me, yeah. give me the you know, the 411, I know that's, that's not right. in anymore, but <laughs> so when I started going through it, I went on Facebook and Instagram and I'm like, all right, I did like a little poll. Like, what do you think about? What are the thoughts you're thinking? And boy, did the DMs hit me in a good way. The DMs were flying. What I started seeing was there were three distinct categories of negative emotional toxins that we have. One is fear. And that's probably the most mm -hmm. dominant because in fear, I also put comparison value, identity, like those deep things are value. And then, well, value more so unbelief, doubt. We right. doubt that we can be worthy. We doubt that we can do things. We look at, you know, the negative side of what we can do. Right. Then the third one, shame and guilt. And I know that's two, but I put them in one category because most of the time when people res respond, they, they can go hand in hand about something they have guilt about it. It's mm -hmm. like, they are just bad. You know, they're the same. If you have one, you have the other. So those are the three categories. So when we, we terminate the toxins, that's when we're going in and digging into God's word and finding a scripture mm -hmm. that sticks with us. And one for me is second Timothy one, seven, because I fall to fear a lot. And so second Timothy one, seven for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. We live under his power. Jesus power, the Holy Spirit's power, Jesus love, 
and we have to have self-control, which means we have to take control of what we're thinking. And so that's the scripture that I go to often when I feel that, you know, I'm falling under that fear. Unbelief. You find a scripture for unbelief. You find a, a or doubt or, you know, whatever it is, whatever scripture speaks to you. So that when that thought, this is when we move into the O and the X, outlining a plan and executing a plan. Mm -hmm. When that thought comes up, rather than allowing it to spiral and you ask more questions or make more statements or think more negatively, you stop it at that first thought, you replace it with that scripture. And that's what you meditate on. So when you outline a plan, it's, this is what my plan is. I'm going to use this scripture every time I have this thought and you work on one at a time so that when you get to the next one, maybe a doubt, I doubt I can be used by God because I don't know the Bible well enough, right? What is it that God tells us? He God's word, God is a mystery. There are so many things about God. that's a mystery that we may never know this side of heaven, but we can read his word to get to know him better and who he is and then realize who he's created us to be. Mm -hmm. So we find a scripture that steps into that for us. And the same thing with shame and guilt. Jesus is full of forgiveness. You find those forgiveness Bible verses that speak into your heart and you move with them into that next step. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and I think something else too is those little mantras are like for yourself, right? We have to be so careful not to spout those off to other people when they're not ready, because then it becomes like an empty platitude. But there are things that, you know, like even now when I start going on the runaway train of, for me, one of the big ones is like, I can lose God's love. Like that's a lie Mm -hmm. I've identified that with a lot of work that I have ascribed to God at times, like, because if I do this, I can lose his love. Now I never yeah. could just, I never said that outright, Nope. but 20 years in, I have identified that really that's what I think deep down. And, you know, immediately to myself, I can say, Nope, God says he'll never leave me or forsake me. Like, yeah. I mean, and then it's just on repeat, but there's a lot of diggings and untangling of the mess to get there. So don't grow discouraged, like no, keep yeah. going. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's one small step at a time. You know, when I made that list in the beginning, it was overwhelming. I'm like, I can never overcome these. Like, this is too much. And then I would take them one at a time. And then once I figured out the three categories that all of mine fell into those three categories pretty distinctly, maybe they overran fear and doubt or doubt because of shame and guilt but there still were three distinct categories. I could find three scriptures that when I had a negative thought. So what we, what I did was I took this overwhelming, looming dark cloud of negative emotional toxins. And I narrowed it down to three categories and said, okay, I can manage that one small step at a time, one day at a time. Mm. And as we change our story, we change history. For ourselves, for our Our family, family. Mm -hmm. for the people that we're mentoring or talking with or discipling Mm -hmm. or serving or in those little God appointments, when God puts somebody in front of us that we're not living in that fear or shame or guilt or doubt that we can't be used by God. My kids tell me all the time that I'm going to get murdered in an Uber because, (laughs) because in this boldness that I have so Uh, greatly received from the Lord in this distraction detox. 
I just feel this comfort of sharing my faith. I don't go in there saying, oh, well, you need Jesus. You got to, you know, right. I just say, listen, when I was in this place or this is what God's done in my life, this is how I've seen things. So I tend to get into Ubers with people of much different faiths or no faith at all. Right. And if the person I talk to everybody <laughs> and if the person, if the person is struggling with something, I will offer to pray for them in Jesus name. And it's really crazy how many people say yes. I just start speaking the words the Lord gives to me of praying Love over it. this person in Jesus name. And there had, you know, there've been many times that my kids are like, mom, you're going to die. Somebody's going to kill you. And I'm like, well, thank God for ride shares. Cause they, they um, track where the car is going. So you'll find my body. Yeah, I know. You know, I worst case to... scenario, I'm face to face with Jesus. I'm not that worried about it. <laughs> it's a total side note, but I have to say it. Cause you're talking about Uber. My oldest son and I were getting on a really early flight. This has just been a couple of weeks back. And so I was the only one up. My whole family was in Florida, actually. We were going down for graduation. And I get a text message because, you know, Uber will send you the text. And it's still dark outside. And it says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. will be arriving <laughs> at 424 and will wait for you outside in a Toyota Camry. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And wouldn't Jesus come in a Toyota Camry? Like my, my friend Cammy was like, yeah. I knew that Camrys were holy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, so. Oh my gosh, that is awesome. That is we got so the biggest awesome. kick out of that. So I'm going with Jesus, and you're gonna end up dead in the back of an Uber. And it might be Jesus in a in a in a, in a no, normally. Normally I, <laughs> here's just a Whew. Uber story. New York City, April 2021. Okay. No pandemic. Mm-hmm. Heavy there. Thousands and thousands had died from COVID. Yeah. And so I fly in. My husband was with the New York Mets. I was moving into a new apartment that I got online, you know, because that's what we do as baseball wives. And <laughs> um get into LaGuardia, call an Uber. Uber picks me up, and it's this very large Middle Eastern man. And I get in the Uber and we start driving. And um, we, you know, hey, how are you? Good you know, just very stern and fun. And I said, so, you know, you've been in New York the whole time during COVID. And yes. Well, how did your family fare during COVID? This very large, very stern man begins to sob, oh. sob. And there were partitions in the cars and events that came back, you know, it was, it was yes. all very cordoned off. And yes. as he's sobbing, I said, are you okay? Do we need to pull over? No, 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 no. I'm like, what happened? that he lost five people in his home, his oh mother-in-law, father-in-law, mother, father, and brother-in-law oh all died in his home of COVID. My heart just mm -hmm. got ripped out of me. And so I said, can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? May I pray for you? And he said, yes. Wow. And so I put my hand up on the partition and I began to pray in the name of Jesus. And as I said, I pray the words the Lord gives me. And I'm like, may the blood of Jesus cleanse your spirit, fill you with mm -hmm. peace. I mean, I went all out in yeah. a way that I normally don't even pray like that. Right. And here I am praying to a Muslim man. And, and I have friends that are Muslims. Please do not get me wrong. No. But there are this some, is a stranger in New York City that a is a stranger in New York City with a faith that some people get very angry with other faiths. I don't know. I mean, 
You but don't know. Out That's of the, the key. love that was pouring out of me, which was, Lord, I started praying. Well, as I'm praying with my hand on the petition, I feel against my hand. And I stopped praying and looked up. He had put the back of his hand oh, against Billy. my hand on that partition. Oh, Billy. And he had stopped crying. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus, that you, your Holy Spirit was more powerful than my fear yeah. or my doubt or that I'm not good enough. I, I don't know the Bible well enough. I, I I don't pray out loud usually, you know, whatever it may be that's in right. us. Yes. And that you gave me that opportunity, Lord, to step out with an overabundance of love. I, I was in a sweet spot of where the Lord had me in having his scripture at hand. And I ebb and flow in that at times, Amber. Yeah. I, I hate to say as it. As do we all. As we we all do. But when I, <laughs> when I get into those spots and I'm in a lot of negative thinking, emotional toxins, I pick up my own book. I have it like tabbed out. And I actually go back and read my own book and it centers me back in a place with Jesus that he wants me to be. Well, and isn't that oftentimes what writers do is write from their own yeah. brokenness and experience. And that's the power of our testimony. A lot of times it may not be a memoir, but it's a life. It, it's your life lived out. And then yeah. you offer it as a gift to others because you feel like that's what the Lord has called you to do. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful gift and it's a really hard thing to do, but it's an act of obedience to the Lord. And so I think it's really cool that you say that. Well, I will say I will never write a book to write a book if I have not experienced what I'm writing about that. I, I can promise that to all the readers out there that. I will not, I am pretty transparent and open, uh, you know, I, I tell my story and it's not always pretty and it's not, like you said, it's not a memoir. It's not, but it is, how did the Lord use my story mm -hmm. to find very biblical and practical ways to overcome where I was? That's right. And it's the beauty and the brokenness, right? Like if you search the word of God, that's yeah. everyone's story. Yes. None of them were perfect, pretty princes and princesses that never made mistakes. If so, we're robots. We're not, exactly. uh, we're not a vessels that God is using and working through. And so I hate to totally shift, but I want to close up our conversation with at the end of distraction detox, you talk a lot about virtuous living. And I feel like that is something that sadly has gone by the wayside a lot. Like, I think that some people just think virtuous living is old school, but we can switch that out for Christ-like living if you'd like. But um, why did you decide that that should be a part of this book? And, and like, what is the value in that? If we're truly living out our Christ-like life, always wanting to be more like him every day, we're going to live with intention of a virtuous life, mm -hmm. of that life that is honoring of God, of that life that is glorifying of him. That doesn't mean I'm perfect and I get it right all the time, but it means my next step after not being perfect or not getting it right is going to be toward Jesus, yeah. that my eyes are going to be fixed on him. And when I waver, I, I do a gut check. And I go back to fixing my eyes on him. So to me, that's like 
want to say this the right way because I can be a little harsh at times. You ain't really living a Christ-like life if you're not pursuing that virtuous living. <laughs> you know, but but it's true. Like one of my biggest issues with Christians is anger. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between righteous anger and the anger that I see these days on yeah. social media from Christians. The word hate is used so much by Christians. I hate this group of people. We God hates. Well, number one, read your Bible. God is love. God is not hate. God does not hate anyone. He may dislike a sin. He may hate a sin, but he does not hate anyone. So if we as Christians are truly stepping into virtuous living of glorifying him and all that we say, all that we do, all that we are, we're going to love one another as God has commanded us to love. And we're going to build others up rather than tear them down. Just like I talked about in the beginning, my life ended up, I made some decisions that I wish I never had, but I didn't know any other way. And I wish one Christian who was living a virtuous life had come to me and shown me how. Mm. And that is what I believe is the most important thing in our lives as believing Christians is that we are walking out the walk and the path that God has laid before us. Yeah. As we close out this conversation, I think about how you had said earlier, you know, when you're taking negative thoughts captive, it's one of those things where you you do it one by one, right? It's a slow process. Yeah. The same thing can be said for trying to live out virtues. It's not a striving. It's okay, Lord, I realize I'm not a humble person. I realize I'm not a patient person. I realize I react in anger or whatever that virtue may be. Or for some people, think of the fruits of the spirit. I mean, that's essentially virtuous living. Help me today. Help me this week. Show me how I can love someone today. It's that same process, right? Of daily kind of choosing something to focus on because when you just kind of shoot your arrows everywhere, we don't hardly get anywhere, right? We never hit the target. (laughs) Exactly. If you don't have a target on a wall, I tell people this all the time with the execute the plan in my book, people are like, oh, but it's just one more thing to do. No, it is about having a target because if we have a full wall and we're just throwing darts everywhere, they just bounce off. They don't land. When you have a target to aim for, yeah, you focus in on that. Right. And that's when you can hit that target. Yeah. And we practice. We People, practice. I mean, I think it's so easy to just be like, oh, I'm failing. And I mean, I'm speaking to myself here, but yeah. I've gotten to the point in my life where it's like, no, you know, you talk about ba- baseball a lot and use a lot of those analogies in your book because that's what you're familiar with. But no pitcher is pitching on target every time, unless they're putting in hours and hours and hours of practice, and then they still screw up. Yeah, (laughs) it's so true. It's like at a uh, a ballpark when you hear somebody go, or, you know, at little league games, throw a strike. Do you think the pitcher doesn't want to throw a strike? (laughs) They're trying. They're trying. (laughs) They're trying. And the more you practice, the idea is the better you get. And I mean, That's we exactly see that it. in every area of life. Well, Christian living is the same thing. Yes. 
Well, Billy, thank you so much. People can find you where? Tell us all the things. Yeah, um, the best place is my website, billyjoust.com. I actually have a new quiz up called Your Distraction Action. So it's a quiz. It's going to look at the, the emotional toxins and how do we move forward in replacing those. So, so I hope fun. you guys will go on and do that. Um, but billyjoust.com is the best place. I'm Billy Joust on all the socials. Come hang out with me. It's quite funny at times. Billy, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Amber. I really enjoyed it. If you're curious about your own emotional barriers, head over to take the quiz. You can find all of the links mentioned today at graceenoughpodcast.com slash detox or scroll down in your podcast player. And don't forget to follow Grace Enough so you don't miss new episodes when they drop on Tuesdays. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time.